1: Hello
2: and welcome to a mini-episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our Ant-Man and Fantastic Four episodes. On today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comics that Seven James recommended on last week's podcast. Those were The Avengers, issues 57 through 60 and The Superior Foes of Spider-Man Volume 1, which is issues 1 to 6. First, a couple of pieces of housekeeping... Um apologies up top for the sound quality of today's episode being um a little bit inferior, but I've just moved house and my microphone is still all packed up somewhere, so I'm having to use a backup today. Um and secondly, as announced, our next episode will be covering the new Fantastic 4 film, but as of yet we're not entirely sure when we'll be able to see it because of screening dates, so we can't announce the exact date that episode will go live yet. But know that we are going to try and strive to release it as close to the release date as possible, which is next Thursday in the UK. So with all that out of the way, let's now take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. First up, Rachel McAdams is rumoured to be in line for the lead female role in Doctor Strange opposite Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, There are no details on who that character might be, but I've done a bit of quick googling. And uh, I think that maybe it could be clear she could be a possibility. Or maybe they'll mix things up a bit and cast her as the villain Morgan Le Fay. I have no idea who either of those people are. But they're both featured in the 1978 Doctor Strange TV movie, so they must be pretty important. Um, And in other Doctor Strange news, Tilda Swinton has said that she doesn't yet know whether she'll be playing the Ancient One as a man or a woman which is kind of awesome and very Tilda Swintony. The writing duo of John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein have been confirmed as the writers of the upcoming solo Spider-Man movie. Uh, the pair have previously written both of the Horrible Bosses movies, um, The Incredible Burt Wonderstone, Cloud with a Chance of Meatballs 2, and The New Vacation movie, which they have also made their directorial debut on. I wouldn't say that I love any of those movies, really. But John Francis Daly did play Sam on Freaks and Geeks, so he'll always have a special place in my heart. Um, A budget figure for Gambit has made its way online, and apparently the movie will cost somewhere in the $150 million range, which puts it more in line with the main X-Men movies than the cheaper R-rated Deadpool, which probably suggests that Fox have either a bit more confidence or ambition for their movie starring Channing Tatum. Netflix's Ted Sarandos has confirmed that Jessica Jones will indeed be released on the streaming platform in 2015, but Netflix have said that their plan is to release one Marvel series every six months or so going forwards, and that means that once all four of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist have all launched, we will get the Defenders show, but we could see some of those characters getting multiple seasons before we get the Defenders series. So we're still guessing that the current plan will be Jessica Jones this year, Daredevil Season 2 and Luke Cage in 2016, and then Iron Fist and the Defenders in in 2017, unless a Daredevil Season 3 or Jessica Jones Season 2 or Luke Cage Season 2 is announced before then. But either way, there's lots and lots of Marvel series on Netflix to look forward to. And it seems like a lifetime ago now, but just after we recorded our Ant-Man podcast, there were a whole heap of X-Men Apocalypse images released uh, featuring the eponymous villain Apocalypse, played by Oscar Isaac, um, Slylock, and Storm, amongst others. There is a lot of purple. That being said, uh, out of context, Apocalypse looks terrible. Does he look terrible? I think he looks terrible. And I know you're all thinking, a couple of years ago, we all saw that first image of Quicksilver, and it, it, we all thought it looked terrible. Um, and then you all saw the movie, and you thought he was great. But even if you thought Quicksilver looked great, his costume and hair were still awful. Can we agree on that? Um, but hey, I thought Storm looked absolutely fantastic, and I'm always willing to give this kind of stuff the benefit of the doubt until we see the finished products. Because hey, it's Oscar Isaac playing um, a big badass X Men villain. I, I can get on board with that. Oh, and slightly related, Brian Singer has confirmed the rumors that there are plans to cross over the X Men and the Fantastic Four, which obviously, but yeah, let's wait and see what that box office is next weekend. Okay, so let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. And first up, we are going to start with James's recommendation, which was four issues of The Avengers um, from all the way back in 1968. Um, these were issues 57 to 60, and they are from Roy Thomas and John Buscema. And so these four issues, the, the first two are more concerned with the introduction of Division, Division's first appearance, I believe, in in comics, um, which delves into his origin as he starts off fighting the Avengers um, until it becomes clear that he has been created and brainwashed by Ultron. And then Vision attempts to join the Avengers. Uh, and in that issue, the Avengers decide that they're going to delve into his history um, a little bit more to figure out whether he's safe or not. It's, it's a little bit like an extended version of that scene from um, Age of Ultron where Vision picks up the hammer and they figure out he must be okay then. They do a little bit more research in this comic because they have more time. So Vision arrives getting, giving a a real Dr. Manhattan vibe, uh, which again was something I saw in the movie. Um, But the Avengers team as it exists in this comic, one of the reasons why this was recommended by James, um, we have Ant-Man and Wasp, except Ant-Man is Hank Pym, but not in his Ant-Man guise, in his Goliath guise, because he is getting bigger rather than smaller most of the time. I think he still can get smaller, but he, he tends to get bigger. Um... He has Wasp with him, who uh, Janet Van Dyne, who who does, in fact, um, get smaller. She, she sticks to doing that. Then we've got Hawkeye. Um, Black Widow pops up at one point, but she's not part of the team currently. She's doing S.H.I.E.L.D. things with Nick Fury. Um, and then there is Black Panther. And, yeah, I should probably mention up front that I, I had a lot of fun with these four issues. I got a lot of comments last week um, after the Spider-Man minisode where I was uh, quoting Stanley. Lee, um, about uh, how much fun that was. And um, this is not Stanley. although he's still the editor here, so we do get some of uh, Stan's editorial notes. But just some of the dialogue from these... <laughs> from these issues are amazing. Um, (laughs) Lots of words being said that I don't think you'd accept in any other context than in a 1960s comic. Vision figures out that he's been brainwashed by Ultron and that he shouldn't be sent to fight the Avengers, that in fact he needs to defeat Ultron instead. And he goes back to find Ultron. (laughs) Ultron starts um, delivering um, a bit of a villainous soliloquy to Vision uh, and he says... Ultron 5 does not change his mind, and has not even an artificial heart, as you do. But realising I had created you with such great powers, I knew I could only defeat you by lowering your guard. And now this is my favourite bit. My sole weakness is the twin electrodes which stud the side of my metallic skull, while you ran the pitiful gamut of emotions, including that of trust. And now die, fool. Die as you should have died before. Now, I'm just going to say, if I was Ultron, I probably wouldn't reveal my, sl- my sole weakness being the twin electrodes, which stood the side of my metallic skull. But play to Ultron, um, he does, and uh, would you believe it, uh, Vision later <laughs> uses that against him uh, to defeat him. It was he who told me of the twin electrodes of his steel strong skull. They might have withstood my attack, but not that explosion. Um, um, it's it's really fun, and that, that kind of stuff was happening in in all four of these issues, um, and I I was really enjoying it. It's silly, but it's fun. And um it's I think it's kind of what I assumed a lot of comics were before I read them. That there were just these fun, jaunty superhero stories where stuff happened and you just accepted it. And I've obviously got to got to know a lot a lot more sophisticated stuff, but I guess this is just back in the days where you just want to tell a fun story, and these stories are really fun. Um and I'm I, I, I was totally on board with them. I, I wasn't looking for any deeper subtext or anything like that. Um, so the second issue, um, we get Thor and Captain America and Iron Man all show up as former members of the team who, um, who but I, I think they just turn up when, when important stuff needs doing. So they turn up to figure out whether Vision does belong on the team or not. Um, and this is the issue that is titled, Even an Android Can Cry. Which James has mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, and yes, um, Vision does cry at the end of the issue when he has admitted he's admitted into the Avengers. But this was a really fun issue. I thought just just for me, it was it was quite fun as like a, a little potted history of the Avengers. There's one really great page that um, that splashes um, a bunch of uh, all of the former characters who have been on the team at this point. So this is what 50, 58 issues in. So you've got you've got the current ones um Goliath and Wasp and Hawkeye, and then you've got Black Widow and um early versions of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, Spider Man is there and Hulk um and a character who I believe is called Hercules, who looks terrible, um so maybe there's a reason he didn't stick around but it was uh, it was just fun for me to see uh, to see what all these characters looked like. Uh, Forty or fifty years ago, uh, I think some of them wisely have um, have undergone a redesign. Uh, not least Black Widow, who um, has um, an interesting perm, I would say. <laughs> There's some more great dialogue in this issue when they are debating whether Vision should uh, be in the team, and and or Goliath looks at him and sees him, sees that he's already gone off to the side of the room and says, "Already, the Vision has returned to his melancholy brooding. Can't say I blame him." What must it be like to be trapped forever in an android body with the thoughts, the emotions of a human being? Yet why is he so? Why? Oh, um, this, is, this is amazing. Um, I, I don't think it's it's quite as fun as the, the jaunty Stan Lee stuff, because as I said, you can imagine Stan Lee saying them, which makes them exponentially better. Um. And as a couple of people mentioned on Twitter, um, I can't rate, wait to get some more Cl- Chris Claremont stuff because uh, the, br- the brief exposure I had to Chris Claremont um, back on our Wolverine sode made me want uh, <laughs> want to read a lot more of that Purple Prize. The comic then moves on, and we get um, all of um, Vision's proper origins, and it turns out he's got the former he's got the brain patterns of a former hero called Wonder Man. Um, And obviously he was programmed by Ultron. So there's there's all that stuff back there. Um, But yeah, it all all culminates in that final page where you get a big page of Vision with a tear rolling down his cheek saying, even an android can cry. Um, And it's really fun. (laughs) <laughs> um um but moving on to the second two issues which um i guess were more the reason why uh james recommended me this uh for the ant-man episode although all of these four issues do kind of work in a nice self-contained arc so yeah the second two issues um are concerned with the arrival of yellow jacket and now i'll spoil this up front for you uh although it is uh revealed as kind of like a twist at the end of the second issue but um i I kind of already knew that uh, Yellow Jacket was one of the names that Hank Pym went by. And man, this, this guy goes by a lot of names because he's been Ant-Man, Giant-Man, Goliath, and Yellow Jacket. He needs to pick one. But basically something goes wrong with an experiment and uh, some kind of schizophrenia hits um, Hank and he becomes uh, Yellow Jacket. Um, and it doesn't seem that he's he he seems to think that he has killed Hank Pym um and everyone hates him except he wants he still wants to be a part of the Avengers even though he said he's he's killed Hank and then he kidnaps Janet um and then forces a kiss on her in a very awkward unpleasant scene uh but she then kind of after that is really on board with yellow jacket even though he claims to have killed hank um so everyone's like well why does janet suddenly like yellow jacket and then she announces that she's going to be marrying him very shortly um and all of the other avengers get um get really concerned with this but uh they all kind of agree to honor it because they can't prove that yellow jacket did kill hank um hawkeye not least seems to really hate yellow jacket um but yeah um janet trusts him and that's because she realizes is that he is, um, he is Hank under there uh, after when, when he kisses her. Um, and so they have a wedding and lots of other um, characters turn up. Uh, there's a, one really great splash page with, um, with all of the other heroes who have turned up at their wedding. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so this is the Fantastic Four there, and Doctor Strange and Nick Fury, Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Man, the Silver Surfer, Um, and a bunch of characters that I don't even recognise. Daredevil's at the back as well. Um, (laughs) And uh, this, I think, is Stanley editorial notes. Uh, Meanwhile, some of the world's most dynamic costume figures are engaged below in the lively and time-honoured art of making small talk, which we figure you could write as well as we could. Besides, we just couldn't bear to mar this panoramic pin-up page by Big John Bashima, P.S. For the tea in Marveldom, rest assured that the punch our galvanising guests drinking is strictly non alcoholic, Charlie. Stan and Roy. Um, so, that is the page that they didn't want to put any dialogue on because they just wanted the art to stand for itself with all of that text on the top. <laughs> but it is a really great page. Um, but yeah, so there's 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 a bit of a kerfuffle at the wedding, some villains attack, but eventually it becomes um, Hank's identity is revealed, um, and he thinks that he created the Yellow Jacket persona because secretly he did want to marry Janet, but he was always worried that he didn't have the time to with his work, and he created this version of himself who would have the time, and the, because Janet knew all along, she knew that that was just a way of her being able to marry Hank. So it all worked out well in the end. Yeah um and I, I actually really enjoyed this and um, I think I enjoyed these uh, well no I did I, I definitely did I enjoyed these Avengers comics more than the uh, more modern ones the 90s ones that James recommended me after Age of Ultron they're a lot more silly and and I can, I kind of guess that I forgave these comics a lot more for not having, like, a load of character debt and being able to service all of the characters and doing cool, interesting things with the team. Because they were just, I don't know, I think, yeah, I think I, I think I was willing to give them a lot more leeway than the 90s ones were. Um, and actually, I do wonder whether, actually, whether they maybe did give me a bit more character insight than... Um, than the 90s ones did because those first two issues really did delve into the vision and yeah I guess they kind of were like his two-part origin story but um I really did feel like I I got a sense of the angst that there was for this character and I really enjoyed all the Hawkeye bits him being more of a a smart talking kind of uh badass Um, and I think Hawkeye originally started out as a villain which probably probably makes sense some more tantalising glim- glimpses of the Black Panther here. There's, uh, there's him. He's constantly weighing up whether he should be an Avenger or whether he should be leading his country. Whether that's his rightful role. And uh, I did, I did want a bit more of that. And I, I do wonder whether maybe if I, I read on a bit more, that I would get some, uh, some Black, Black Panther focused stuff. Um, who's a character I'm really interested in, not least because uh, he's going to feature heavily in the upcoming uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'd say generally over the past two minisodes, I'm having a lot more fun with uh, '60s Marvel comics than I thought I was going to have. It's just story, and it's not particularly subtly told story, but it's it's uh, it's enjoyable story, and yeah, they 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 worked for me. Okay, uh, let's move on now to Seb's recommendation, which was the Superior Foes of Spider-Man issues one through six. Uh, that's volume one from Nick Spencer and Steve Lever. Um, and there are 17 issues of The Superior Fellows of Spider-Man in total. And I think I'm going to continue and read because, first of all, I, I like it when there's a nice round number that I can read. I'm like, well, I can definitely get through 17 issues um, if, I, if I sit down and do it. I know I'm going to get to the end of this story. Um, and I think I am going to, but I only read the first six this time. And as Seb kind of forewarned on the last podcast, there isn't a complete story here there is there is the like there is the the start of a story so it's a little bit more difficult to review in its entirety but um I, i can discuss what i've read which is which is something that again i enjoyed This is kind of in the vein of Hawkeye, I would say, stylistically. I remember when um, Seven James were were recommending Hawkeye the first time around, which again I think was after our Avengers Age of Ultron episode, um, and saying that it's kind of defined a lot of what Marvel has done since. Um, And I do wonder whether this is one of those. It's very tongue-in-cheek, there's lots of humour... Lots of visual gag, um, and it and it felt it felt very much like the, those those Hawkeye issues to me. Uh, maybe not quite sharp, or maybe not. I think maybe a little bit wordier. I think um, Hawkeye probably does um, a bit more with the with the artwork or tell, storytelling with fewer words, whereas a lot of this is narrated by Boomerang, um, and he he can talk quite a lot. Uh, Boomerang is the lead character in this um, of the Sinister Six um, or the superior foes of Spider-Man. Spider-Man does not feature, but this is taking place during the era when um, the superior Spider-Man was happening, which is when Doc Ock was uh, operating as Spider-Man instead of Peter Parker. Uh, which is something i had read so that was it was nice for context but it was basically irrelevant um for the for the six issues that i read anyway because it was just it was just kind of that this this was the sinister 6 now and that it's happening at the same at the same time as superior spider um there are only five members of this sinister 6 which um which is used to good comedic effect regularly in the book so the leader is boomerang he is our um I won't say hero and I won't say anti-hero because he is just flat out a villain. In fact, I will read you the the, um, blurb introduction um, at the start of the first issue. So it says, Boomerang, Shocker, Overdrive, Speed Demon, and Beetle are not heroes. They are our five protagonists. They're not lovable rogues and they're not rebels with a cause. Make no mistake, the new Sinister Six are villains, plain and simple. They're liars, cheaters, and thieves. They don't like you. They don't like each other that much. The one thing they have in common is a shared hatred for their nemesis, the superior Spider-Man. Even if he's possessed by their old boss, Dr. Octopus, at the moment. Sometimes that mutual disdain forces them to suck it up and join forces. Together they are the superior powers of Spider-Man. The Boomerang Lee League character is a guy called Fred Myers. He was a former Major League Baseball player um, who was caught throwing games uh, and thrown out of the sport in disgrace, uh, became a supervillain. Um, and at this point has teamed up with those other four characters to form a, a five-member Sinister Six to run some kind of heist, um, except the the thing starts off with Boomerang in jail. Um, and he's in jail with um, a mobster, a Russian mobster called the Chameleon, who basically has, like, mystique-like powers, except he's a man and Russian and very ugly, and... Um, And he's done some kind of deal with the chameleon to help get him out of jail. Uh, And he's then going to run a heist with the chameleon. But he's telling the rest of the members of his team that he's doing it uh, for another villain who is Hammerhead. Except it's not really for Hammerhead at all. And it's not for the chameleon either because Boomerang has other plans. And the thing that he says that he's stealing... He might not actually be stealing, he might be trying to steal something else. And he's also got a parole officer who he has to who he has to work around, who is a former superhero, a supervillain himself who was reformed, and he's taking Boomerang to Supervillains Anonymous, and it is very complex and twisty, and um the heist narrative is fun. Again, this so the the Ant Man recommendation perfect. Yes, it's a heist. Yes, it's very comedic, um, but <laughs> this, as I said, this heist is very hard to keep track of because you've got the most unreliable narrator um, who is unreliable from panel to panel. Um, flat out tells you he's lying to you or just says hey why would you believe that that sounds ridiculous what, that that can't be a real thing but then maybe one of those ridiculous things that can't possibly be a real thing will turn out to be a real thing and I won't spoil what they're uh, stealing uh, what actually ends up getting stolen in the heist that they do um, but it's, uh, it's very very funny indeed and it leads to um, I think probably my favourite two or three pages of this six issues uh, where Boomerang is explaining the origin of that item um, and it involves an iconic Marvel supervillain but with words being put in his mouth by Boomerang. And Boomerang's a complete arsehole. Um, it's, it's, really, <laughs> it's a really well-constructed comic in that it, he's, he's charismatic enough to carry this and um, as a lead character you're invested in him and you follow him but you're constantly reminded that yes you should not like him in any way he's not kind of like um a lovable rogue he is just a dick and he is screwing over everyone that he's uh, that he's working with at every turn he's unpleasant to almost everyone he comes in contact with um and um and yet you're still really invested in each issue in what he's doing there's a there's a really, there's a lovable haplessness to the group of them. More so for the rest of the group. So the other characters like um, Speed Demon and um, Shocker are particularly um, a bit kind of like lovably crap um, in a way that you you would expect low level villains who are constantly getting cap- uh, defeated by their uh, their hero nemesis. Um, should be a little bit crap um and that this is obviously a knowingly rubbish version of um the sinister six but again we're also we're all, also constantly reminded that they're not very nice guys um one of the members of the team, Beetle, is a woman and uh, the way that the other characters talk to her is, uh, and look at her is uh, particularly unpleasant but also um, she's not immune from it. She, she's a nasty piece of work as well. Um but it just happens that boomerang is the most nasty piece of work. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading this uh, more just because from issue to issue, I'm not quite sure what the main narrative is because suddenly a rug has been pulled or suddenly a new in, uh, plot element is being introduced or this is changing and that's changing. And, um, I don't know what this. What, what, I have no idea what will be happening in this comic in an issues time, or in two issues time, or in ten issues time. But it's the kind of thing that I would really like to stick around and keep reading. Especially as I'm reaching the end of Hawkeye, um, I actually went and purchased the final issue of Hawkeye in a, like a physical copy in a comic book. I've never done that before. I went to a comic book store and bought an individual issue, which was a was a great new experience for me. Uh, but so I'm. Uh, <laughs> I've got that to read and then I'm done with Hawkeye. So this seems like the, the perfect replacement to ease me... Ease me off that series. Uh, I I'd, I'd probably be reading, continuing reading this before I read any more Avengers, uh, just because this is part way through a story. But um, I really enjoyed all of the re- recommendations this week. And uh, yeah, if this is if this is the kind of thing that Marvel does now, this this kind of time of of stuff like um, Hawkeye and Superior Spider-Man, I, I I think I'd probably be on board with a lot more of what they're doing as well. But that is it for this week. So don't forget that the next episode of Cinematic Universe will be covering Fantastic Four um, as soon as we can possibly get that to you. Um, If you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please leave us a rating or review, and we'll give you a shout-out on next week's show. That's happening on next week's show. So get your uh, get your iTunes reviews in now, and uh, all of the shout-outs. You will get all of the shout-outs. Uh, you can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com or as we a Film divider podcast at filmdivider.com. You can get in touch via Facebook on Twitter at cu underscore podcast or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. See you next week.